Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dory. And Dom. And before we go further, I've got a whole, like, spirit of the staircase thing I need to get off my chest. What? Last episode, I did, like, the seven-word Lord of the Rings fanfic as a joke. Mm-hmm. And yeah. since then, I've thought of a much better joke. <laughs> okay. What I had said was, for sale, Frodo's baby shoes never worn. Mm-hmm. It should have been, for sale, Hobbit shoes never worn. <laughs> just, just making me now, sad, man. That, no, no, no. Then it's a joke, because hobbits tend to go around barefoot. No, I get this. I get that it's a joke, but, like, the source material is just tragedy, you know? You I, I was looking for praise, Tori, okay, not criticism. Amato. That was a very good joke, and I'm very proud of you. I don't know, Mato, that source is very depressing, so I don't know if your joke's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I feel criticized. (laughs) No, not as a funny joke. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) I've now written the best, shortest possible Lord of the Rings fan fiction. Good job, Mato. Yes. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Um, I, as the fan fiction choosing overlord... Mm -hmm have stayed away from Sailor Moon for as long as my body could hold out. It was about 12 episodes. Yeah. It's a long time for you. This is like, a, what, our fourth Sailor Moon one or something? It is, but the first two were in short order early on. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, we read The Weakest Link. That was our episode one in terms of what we actually released. Mm-hmm. Very Mina-focused. And we read Sailor Trek, where the only important character was Serena, which mm-hmm. is to say Usagi, right? We read the Ray trilogy, focused on Ray. Mm-hmm. And so, for our episode tonight, I did a Makoto-focused fan fiction. Which I appreciate. Thank, well, we should always appreciate more Makoto, right? Agreed. Yes. The fanfic is Mako-chan's happy ending. It is by Jetwolf, who is a uh, prominent Sailor Moon fan on the internet. The thing is, she was on the internet in 1996, and that makes you prominent by default back in that era. True. So, like, just like I, how, how we're the prominent fan fiction review podcast, right? <laughs> that doesn't just drag bad fan fiction. Yeah, like, right by default, we're like the best podcast out there that actually examines good fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd so, like think so, so like, I ran into her website as a, I, I say as a kid, as a small, as a yeah. 96. As a Sailor Moon fan. Hmm. And, like, she had, like, a list of top 100 Sailor Moon moments. And, like, that's where I, before I'd seen very much Sailor Moon at all, I was like, whoa, what are these weird things that happen in the (laughs) series? What's going on? And um, then she went back onto the kind of Sailor Moon fandom some years back and was, like, re-watching the series and stuff. And I was following that along for a while. So I'm vaguely aware of Jet Wolf's existence. And she... Wrote some fanfiction back in the day, reposted some of it on fanfiction.net. She's kind of got a preface on this fanfiction.net posting of this story, saying, you know, this story was written long ago and far away in the time of ancients known as 1996. And, you know, goes on to say, like, yeah, some of the stuff I wrote back then was not completely embarrassing, and the stuff that she doesn't mind putting her name to, she's reposting. Yeah, I like that she said she stripped out the random and gratuitous use of Japanese. I <laughs> that thought of Bob so many I appreciate of us at that. That, time. that was yeah. great. It, that... it was important. Like it was an acknowledgement of the the fan Japanese at the time, which was kind of appropriative and weird. Yeah, so. yeah. and not necessary anymore. No, not necessary <laughs> at all. That, so, that was a good idea, Jet Powered Wolf. Yes. <laughs> And, and also I approve of this idea of the jet-powered wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Back when we were doing a lot of anime fan fiction early in this podcast, that was Dom's complaint every single episode, it's, basically. You tried to ignore it, but you just can't, and it's not necessary, and it just it obfuscates the people who don't know, and people who do know don't need this. Uh-huh. It's just and, bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, a lot of white anime fans putting in this Japanese just felt... I don't know. It just, yeah. Yeah. It's just, just a thing. <laughs> I guess it highlights one of the things I like to point out when I can, which is that we're reviewing old fan fiction, and the authors <laughs> usually 
might have some things they would have done differently. Yeah. And Jet Wolf had the opportunity to actually go back and do at least that differently. Yeah. <laughs> And also, like, uh, it removes some the typos they said and, and some of the things they felt were embarrassing. So like, it's it's nice that they got that opportunity. Seems like it was a good uh, editing pass. Yes. Yeah. Seems fair. Definitely. <clears throat> so the story is very, very fairy tale. Um, it's, I feel like I've seen this, this, like, genre of story, but I can't place it. Um, should we talk about kind of the shape of the story in general? Sure. All yeah. right. So, starts off, Mako's kind of upset. She's sort of upset because she's seeing Usagi and Mamoru being all lovey-dovey, and it's just getting to her this time. It's like, something very familiar. You know, you're upset that other people are happy. I think we can all <laughs> agree. We, we yeah. spend most of our time in that headspace. A part of the reason <laughs> she's also upset is because she's frequently made fun of for making reference to how much she loved her ex-boyfriend. Right. And everyone makes fun of her for it, and they don't really understand the personal significance that has. Was, was that actually a thing in the show? That... It was a thing. It's one of those kicks that gets less prominent the farther you go in the show. Mm. But it was absolutely a thing, mm. especially mm. in, like, first season. What, what did we know about this um, hypothetical senpai? Practically nothing. I think you see a yeah. flashback in one episode in R where, like, you don't see his face, and, like, it's raining, and, like... He has made yes. her sad, and the implication is, like, that's him breaking up with her or something. Mm-hmm. Actually, and she's very sad about it. That was one of the most poignant episodes for me when mm-hmm. I was young, because, you know, I knew nothing of romance, but it felt very, very tragic and very sad, like, for her character. Just, she had this memory, and mm-hmm. it was just devastating. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it made her character very sympathetic, and it was one of those moments, like, this character beats that she gets, like where she's the tough girl and she fights and she got kicked out of her old school for fighting and yep. all of that, but she has poignant moments of intense love and it makes you love her character more when you see that, too. Yeah. yeah. She's fairly well-rounded. And then, but it's also just a running joke where, like, she will be attracted to a guy and the way she will express that is by comparing some aspect of them to her old senpai. Mm. Um, she's like, oh, you know, he's, his hair is just like my old senpai or whatever. Right. I think I feel like someone has tried to construct some sort of police profile <laughs> picture of her old semi based on like these various comments. I, I feel yeah. like that's been done. It was funny in this fanfic, like I'm sure we'll get to it, but I noticed that she remarked part with this fanfic that it wasn't that they actually looks like her senpai right. it's yeah. just that it was this idea of loving someone that mm-hmm. reminded her well and that's, I thought that's that a was much a good... more sane reading yes. exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly what I thought I was like that that's a good point like there's no way all these guys could have looked like him because they all look so different mm-hmm. and like the fanfic starts off with a really nice tone I think just really kind of friendly yeah she's yeah. like what is she by a river Kind of throwing rocks into it or mm-hmm. something. And they ask her if they threw this gold one, this silver rock yeah. into the... Exactly. <laughs> you had to do that in Harvest Moon to get an upgrade to one of your tools. Yeah, I did not understand the cultural reference at that point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what happens is that basically a fairy appears before her, or like goddess or something, like, you know... A, a genie. A genie, like a... A woman with a bluish tinge to her skin, and she's like, I'm here to grant you wishes. I just want to say that, like, kind of as a spoiler, I guess, yeah. this person doesn't turn out to be anything. I was kind of no. expecting a Yoma or something or some sort of Same. magical being or I a callback or something. Something evil. Yeah. To, if it was like, trying to manipulate her. But. If it was going to be an actual, like, Sailor Moon story, it definitely would have been. Yeah. But yeah. no, in this case, it's just a being named Nagai, and she's like, I'm here to grant you a wish. Which is Japanese for wish. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, it's Japanese for wish. And Mako wishes, I wish a goddess like you would be by my side forever. And it turns into a romantic comedy. And her sisters come down. Wait, I've read this fan fiction before. (laughs) (laughs) Does it sound familiar? A little bit, yeah. No, it's very, oh my goddess. I think I've seen the OAVs of this fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, she doesn't wish that. (laughs) Now, the... Nagai is extremely accommodating for a wish-granting spirit. Mm-hmm. Cause like for the first thing, Mako's like, I, I don't believe you. What? And she's like, give me a test. I'll make something happen briefly. Spends like, uh, 15 minutes just repeating the phrase, no way, no way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like Nagai's, like usually it's like, oh, well, you have to decide. There's no take-backs. Or it's like, you know, well, here are the conditions. There's no conditions. There are take-backs. Like, she's really, really accommodating about it. Yeah, it doesn't purposely try to monkey paw. That's not their intention. No, it's not. When 
so the first thing that happens is like the guy's like, no, like believe it. Like I'll demonstrate. Wish for something, anything, and I'll yeah. give it to you for like fifteen minutes, and then right. check it out. <laughs> and so when that finally gets through to Mako, Mako's like, okay, something crazy. Um, make Usagi Chan as smart as Ami Chan. Now this sequence, there's things I can complain Some about. Strange, it. yeah. <laughs> but there's also one thing I really want to praise about it. Hmm. And the things I complain about are that. This story's interpretation of making someone smart is making them spew out trivia. Right. Yeah, which it actually, like, that, that's a bit complete because it's, like, smart well, versus it's not, knowing a bunch of things. Right. It's, it's also not smart. It's smart like this person. Right. So but I, Ami doesn't do that either. Like, she no, doesn't just spew out no. factoids either. But, but, like, if they both knew the same factoids, would... Usagi spit them out randomly while Ami keeps quiet. See, that was where, like, that was where I like agree with you there, Dom. Like, yeah. it was like kind of that interpretation of like all of a sudden Usagi knows all this information and it's like overwhelming her brain. Yeah. So like, smart is such an ambiguous and weird freaking right. term. Who cares? But the point is that. In Makoto's idea, it was know all the same things. And for Usagi's brain, that was like, all of a sudden, I know like 8 million things, and now they're coming out my mouth. Right, and, and they sort of chalk that up. Mako tracks down Usagi, uh, like with five minutes left on like the 15 minutes of being smart, and she's like in a in in the crown, eat, having a, what do you call it, Sunday with Mamoru or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Usagi's just going on and on about like stuff like the composition of the food when she walks in. But here's what I do want to praise. Like, here's a, a paragraph or so. Um, Mako checks in with Mamori. He's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Mako moved forward a few steps and knelt down. Usagi-chan. Usagi's attention moved from the stacks of dishes through which she was busily sorting to the face next to her. Mako-chan, she exclaimed happily. Then her expression took on a devilish look and she leaned over conspiringly, hand-shielding her mouth from any onlookers. Or should I say Jupiter-chan? With a huge wink, Usagi laughed loudly as though she had just told the funniest joke in the world, banging her hand on the table and causing the mountains of place to wobble threateningly. Suddenly, her face became intent again. Did you know that Jupiter was named for the king of the Roman gods and a symbol comes from one of his lightning bolts? And when Sailor Moon, the show, is doing its comedy and its comedy works, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of humor that it does and that is hilarious. (laughs) Humor that involves funny faces quick switches, and Kotono Mitsuishi giving a really good performance. Yeah. Right. And so I could imagine this as animated just, like, so well. It was good. It's, like, exactly that sort of that sort of humor that I enjoy when Sailor Moon, the show, does it. Mm-hmm. I actually thought there was a good humor point before this, too, when, like, Negai first appears to Jupiter, and, mm-hmm. like, she's throwing a rock in the air and catching it, Negai is, and Makoto's like, that's it. Makoto thought to herself, Jupiter, she's, like, going to transform. Right. And then Nagai's like, please don't yell. You'll ruin the ambiance. Besides which, if you start throwing all that thunder at me, I won't get the chance to tell you why I'm here. And why I'm here should definitely interest you, Makoto Kino. As if to emphasize how important her purpose was, the woman yawned and then tossed the rock into the air a few more times. You just get, like, this lighthearted kind of writing. That's yeah, and some, good. like, good kind of visual comedy beats in a yes. text mm-hmm. yes. fiction. Mm-hmm. So that's well done. And... Part of the reason why Usagi was, like, doing factoid diarrhea is chalked up to just, like, her mind trying to cope with, like, sudden weirdo changes mm-hmm. to yeah, her knowledge. Yeah, essentially but... just having a lot of facts thrown into her brain. Right. Because that's what I think Mako thinks that Amy's being smart is. That's what so... Nagai thinks that Ami's being yeah, smart is? I don't I know. I don't it's, know. It's, it could be better handled. <laughs> sure, but you can see how it makes sense. Yeah. So the temporary wish wears off and Usagi returns to normal, more or less. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to Nagai. Right. And and so Nagai's like, okay, so what do you want now? Like, now that you know that I'm the real deal. Obviously, I, I just want to mention as a, as a nerdy thing, uh-huh. they asked, like, what restrictions on the wish and there was none. So, obviously, the wish is the ability to grant your own wishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You are touching on something that doesn't quite work for me in this fanfic that we'll talk about later, too. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so, Nagai pushes Mako to, like, make a choice, right? And she's like, well, I don't know. Like, clearly things would go totally wrong. Like, I could have totally messed with Usagi's head forever there. And I kind of like how Nagai, in response to this, was like, 
Oh, you know what? You're right. I never thought about that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes. usually I just grant my wish and go home, yeah, and I never really leave. think about like what happens <laughs> afterwards. But but again, she's like the most accommodating wish grantor I've ever seen in any piece of fiction. And she's like, okay, I'll just give you the chance to see what would happen if you wished for these things. Yeah, you, you can like um, you look in the future now. You can for the moment slide yeah. or quantum yeah. leap or whatever into it for a second. Right. <laughs> and then the main body of the fanfic is a few kind of alternate worlds that Mako projects herself into. Almost accidentally. Yeah. Almost accidentally, while she's just thinking about, like, oh, well, I, what if I wish this? Yeah. Well, let's go back for a second, too, because we get a little bit of a sense of, like, Nagai in that conversation. Like, um, she's like, I like you, Kino-san. I think you're a terrible conversationalist, but I like you. <laughs> and then she says, this has already been one of the most irregular assignments. So right. you kind of get this idea that she's coming from somewhere, and it's never explained. Never but I like yeah. that they have um, an intimation of what this character's backstory might be. It's very Oh My Goddess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> As indicated, but yes. So yes, we go on to further wishes. Yeah. And this time, Mako can project, you know, mm-hmm. what they might be and see that before fully committing, I suppose. Yeah. She says, <laughs> right, you'll yeah. appear at some time in the future if that had been what you really wished. You'll continue to experience that possibility until you decide if that's what you want or not. Right. And so her first thought, just like at the top of her head, is like, I wish I weren't so tomboyish and impulsive. And part of this is coming from the fact that, like, her response to Nagai a couple of times was... Not not her response, but, like, her... She had a violent reaction urge, what do you call it, like, instinct... Yeah, to kind of like defend herself, and she feels bad about it. Yeah, and yeah. So that's kind of what's at the and top that's where of her it's consciousness. And, and this wish actually played out in the way that felt most. I don't know. I had the most problems with this. one. You had the most problems with this one. Yes. I, I don't think I had the most problems with this one, but yeah, I, I think I had the most problems with all the wishes. <laughs> yeah, they all had problems, but like the the way this played out, like a lot of them played out in a way that I like was like, okay, I can understand that this one. Not so much. You want to describe how this one plays out, Tori? It plays out that she's short and she's cute. Right. And that's great, you know? She's got perfect makeup and good fashion sense and but all this it's, stuff. It's Sailor Moon. They all dress amazing I anyways know. all the time. She, she wears <laughs> so super awesome outfits all the time. I know. Like, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, like, that, but it plays <laughs> out in like this weird way where like then she's treated as like the baby of the group, sort of like Usagi is. But even more so, and it eventually comes to fruition where she's, like, totally happy with it. She's like, wow, I'm so cute and small she's comfortable and adorable. Her own she doesn't feel awkward being yes. out in public being, like, a head taller than any of her friends, which she exactly. always does, according yeah. to this fanfic. Like, yeah. she's always conscious of that. That, that is an awkward thing that happens. it has nothing to do with, <laughs> my first problem is that it's nothing to do with her being tomboyish. It literally has everything to do with physical appearance, yep. what she wears. And she has always been... Not actually that tomboyish. Like, she's just no. taller. And she's quite she's, feminine. It's just that she's yeah, very tall. She's just very tall. Like, that's the main thing about her character. And she's read as more, I guess, tomboyish because she's taller. But anyway, now she's shorter. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. But she's treated like she's small and she's weak. Um, and she doesn't actually have as much of an issue with this until it comes to a fight. Mm-hmm. And when she realizes that everyone's trying to protect her... And then not the just a fight, point, but, a, but but a monster fight. A monster fight. Right, yeah, right. she transforms. I was expecting a, a physical fight, actually. Yes, I expected that yeah, too, yeah. and that would have made more, maybe more. I don't know. It, but then she feels she's actually weaker, not just physically, but right. all of her powers. And I have issues with that. <laughs> That's the issue. Yeah, it's very weird. That's the issue. it's messed up because none of these girls are boyish none of these girls they're just girls and so is yeah. Mako and it's always been that way and there's never and she's been she's never been stronger than anybody else and she's there's no reason for her to be weaker than anybody else like no, especially she's still a magically powered transforming yeah, warrior but, but, but all of the other girls are super girly too they've always been that's the whole point there's of never Sailor been any Moon. any connection between magical power and physical size. Also, no. physical size and physical, like, power or strength. Like, she's still a strong <laughs> martial artist. She's still a powerful person, and yet... But, yeah, it literally happens that, you, right, like you said, she knows yes. everyone's trying to protect her. She takes issue with it. She tries to do her <sighs> magical attack, and it doesn't work. Well, you know, you got to put your biceps into your magic attacks. <laughs> but, like, nonetheless... It, like... It, it turns out that lightning, the Jupiter powers specifically 
are just all muscle based. <laughs> She's a muscle wizard. Was true, even if she was smaller in stature, that wouldn't necessarily make her less powerful. Like this That's whole thing of yeah. like We're being, all saying the same thing. you know, six inches. No, she's not even. She's like what three or four inches taller than the other girls. And for some reason, that would make her so much weaker if she was three inches shorter. Uh, Amada, if I make another D&D character, it's going to be Muscle Wizard. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Just a really broad-out wizard. Oh my god. Sounds good to me. (laughs) But I think, yeah, all our readers can understand the issue with this. It just... Yeah, there's just no reason for these things to have the connection. I mean, if if there there was, Sailor Moon would be fucking jacked. (laughs) No, that's my main point, is it completely defeats the point of Sailor Moon, is that they're tiny... 14-year, 13-year-old girls who are super powerful, you know? That's I mean, the like, whole freaking point. Every season, Usagi would like, get, like, JoJo-style bigger, oh more muscle <laughs> So that's why I didn't like this chapter. But. <laughs> okay, now I see why this was the most distressing mm-hmm. for you. Thank you. <laughs> I... It was very weird. It's just I found other things more distressing. So uh, <laughs> no, that's fair. We'll, we'll get to it. This was, I guess, maybe the most personal for me because, sure, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm five foot three, and I'm a very skilled martial artist. I like think I hold my own. Yeah, I only weigh 120 pounds, well, but like that doesn't yeah. matter when you know what you're doing. Yeah, the lightning bolts like, you shoot are plenty the, strong enough yes, to fry a monster. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I've honed those lightning bolts to perfection over years of training. I'm I'm sorry, Tori. You can't reach the top of the cabinet, so you're just the weakest. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I do need help opening the jar of pickles. That's only because my hands are small. So is this the weakest link now? Have we solved the mystery? <laughs> the weakest link is a short Makoto. Yes, a short Makoto. <laughs> yeah, that just upset me because it's like she could totally be smaller and girlier and it wouldn't be. Yeah, and she's so happy with it too. It should have been a physical fight with like a, a delinquent or something. Yeah, because she but has... Even then... Even then it could have, yeah. She's still skilled in fighting it's just and like, that wouldn't... Like maybe if she realized like all of a sudden she didn't have her like fighting skill... That yeah. might have been, Oh, because she decided not to be quote not to be tomboyish. tomboyish. Yeah. That, that yeah. would have hung together more. Yeah, it's, it's a like, little bit. A like little it's bit. still. It's not, like it still creates the dichotomy of like you're girly, you can't fight kind yeah. of thing. It wasn't a great point and it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. Yes. Right. Yes. Ne- yes, neither the concept nor the execution landed. That's, that's Sorry, <laughs> I just got really upset about that one. Okay. Um anyways. <laughs> right. Moving on. So you know, she comes back. She's like, uh, yeah, no, it was going great at first, but I couldn't fight with my friends that way. And they're really all I have ever since my parents. And then she's like, oh, whoa, whoa, right. My parents are dead. <laughs> my fr- my freaking parents. And, like, I kind of like the beat that, like, that's, that's not what it was at the top of her consciousness before. Like, not that she doesn't get there. I mean, maybe it should have been, but, like... Well, I don't know if it should or shouldn't have been because she's still like, processing this whole idea of yeah, wishing. Yeah, so. it is. So, so, like, it kind of is a nice story flow for her not to go to, like, the major, most important, like, you know, event in her life that she could change with a wish immediately just because, like, it didn't occur to her at that very moment. Although even so, this probably should have been the last wish. This probably should have been the last one. Yeah. Um, but it's the second. And she... She immediately wishes herself forward. You know, it's, it's like the theoretical if I did this wish thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's her life. She's got her parents. Her parents are extremely, extremely generically good parents. I can't say a single, single thing about them except that, like, they seem to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And she seems very happy that they're around. And <laughs> the whole world is under Queen Beryl's thumb because Mako never moved to Tokyo to join the Sailor Stars. <sighs> And why is this monkey's paw? Why, it didn't seem like it should have been monkey's paw. Why is it even alternate history? Because when the guy did the test wish, it's just that... Oh, okay. okay, I can see how like bringing her parents back from the dead suddenly would like cause problems, and you might have to rewrite history for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like... Well, it was the case that the only reason she ever moved to Tokyo is because her parents were dead. Also, right. if that was the case, the only re- reason she moved to Tokyo was because she was getting in so many fights. In the oh, wish yes, where she yes. was girlish and couldn't fight, she shouldn't have had to move mm. in the first place. Yes. Excellent. That's true. <laughs> and she shouldn't have joined the Sailor Scouts either. So then it would have been this future also. And then if present. we could have addressed that in that way, that would have been better than just making her a really bad Sailor Scout because she's short well, and wears makeup. What you're describing, if you did that with like both of these, would be like everything has to be the way it is because destiny Mm. and that would have been 
a very different fanfic. I don't... I, th- I think that is his fanfic. Well, yeah. At times. Okay, so <laughs> what this fanfic reminds me of is Marvel used to have a title called What If. Mm-hmm. Okay? I was subscribed to it for a bit as a kid because I liked it. It was all like super geeky continuity stuff. What if somebody like, else got oh, bit yeah, by the spider? Totally. What, yeah, what if Flash... What if Flash... Go- Flash Gordon. Uh, Flash Thompson got <laughs> bit by the spider. Uh, if Flash... If Flash... Gordon got bit by a radioactive spider, everything would be awesome. But, you know, it was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, was what, if, what if Flash Thompson got bit by the radioactive spider? What if Storm was the one who got the power of they Phoenix? were all written by Ditko and all horrible. But anyway. <laughs> what, what, if, what, if, what if Captain America was ever frozen in ice? And what you learn very quickly reading Marvel's What If is that the answer is always terrible, terrible things happen. Yeah. yeah, because we have to go with the idea that the current continuity is the best possible continuity, right. or, or else why are you we have it? to write an entirely new story because we decided that would be better. I can think of, like, two what-ifs that I remember reading that ended up as good or better, mm. and one of them is what if Flash Thompson got bit by the spider, and one of them is uh, what if... Aunt May and also got killed by the burglar, and he got adopted oh, by J. I Jonah Jameson. I was going to say, what if Aunt May but, got bit by the spider? <laughs> no, that's a different one. I would like um, that one. That that is an established alternate continuity in Excellent. Marvel, and her <laughs> and her superhero name is Spider Man. I love that. Do you know how much no. I love that? <laughs> no, you don't even understand. That sounds great. It is great, but. Yeah, with that concept of of the what-ifs always turn out worse is kind of prevalent in in fiction. Sometimes they do alternate universes that are fun or different, but that seems to be rare. Uh, The thing this brought to mind for me was a season of Buffy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, season three, episode nine, The Wish, where the first time uh, uh, Cordelia appears and like, uh, not Cordelia, um, Anya, Anyanka appears and Cordelia Cordelia accidentally wishes that that Buffy never went to Sunnydale in the first place. Oh my place. god, this was so, like, that Mako thing, like... Yeah, I actually went and watched that episode after this, and the theme of that episode is, like, things would have been worse if Buffy wasn't there, but it was... They executed it better because... the uh, Spoiler for the fan fiction, she ends up going back because she realizes that the world there is terrible and she needs to go back to the actual one. And in the Buffy, they people the people that make the choices aren't don't really realize what the other world was. So the message of the Buffy episode was changing the world back to to what it was because it has to be so, something better because they're holding on to some idea of hope. Mm. Yeah. And this one is holding on to things have to be shitty for me so right. everybody yes. else can be okay. But it is really interesting that you point to that as a parallel because there's similar themes of like Buffy experiencing weakness in that. Like, Actually, no, Buffy is really badass in, in that episode. Isn't that? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different one, like one where she doesn't have her powers. Maybe, yeah. That was probably a different one that, that was I'm a different thinking episode. of. Yeah. But anyway, it's still within the line of the series, like mm-hmm. all of a sudden not having your powers and feeling very weak was kind of a thing. And I, I kind of, I remember that in Buffy and I hated that too because it just feels like a series predicated on like feminine young girls having powers but as soon as they don't have superpowers they're just weak and pathetic kind of deal so. yeah I mean, you just yeah. you just turn into a xander at that point you know it, true <laughs> apropos of nothing i would also read mako moves to sunnydale in place of buffy oh hell yeah like continuity wise i mean yes. mako and buffy are like it. Yes. similar characters i'm right? thinking she's not even the slayer like the slayer is somewhere else in the world she's just sailor jupiter she's just that good <laughs> Uh, everyone else would be fine without her. I'd, sure. buy, I'd buy that Down comic. For yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Mako wishes or, you know, does not have that wish happen. Mm-hmm. And it uh, there's also a DC comic. There's a really famous story um, where like, uh, there's, what's it called? It's like with a space invader. It's a Christmas story. And there's like an alien plant that shows you what you most want and like gives you a, an oh, illusion. Yeah. And like, you know, Clark is back at Krypton with, like, mm-hmm. a family, and he has to, like, give up this, like, happy life and, yes. like, go back to the real world, and it, it gets on Batman for a moment, and he, like, is having a, like, a illusionary sequence where his dad just, like, goes to town on the robber in Crime Alley and like, <laughs> oh beats him up, and he also has to, like, abandon this <laughs> and go back to yeah. sad Batman life. Again, this is that, like, be careful what you wish for narrative that just... 
I like it so much better when like something better comes out of it, but they still have to revert. Whereas in this narrative, it seems like something terrible always happens. Like there's no choice. Yeah, there's just no choice. Yeah. And also, it seems kind of. Oh, sorry. Go on. Petty because then it's kind of saying like, oh no, uh, Mako Chan is the only one who's not allowed to have parents. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Though everybody else gets to be happy and fine, but yeah. Poor Mako. Though I will say that Mako's choice at the end of this. Uh, parental narrative is actually pretty poignant. It is. Like, in terms of, like, what we were just saying, yeah, there's really no choice, but for her, there is, because the world's going to shit, and everyone's probably going to die. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't outweigh the idea of, like, having your parents still be alive yeah. for her. Uh, I don't think for anybody, but she still makes the right choice, and she has to justify it in her brain, and it's very difficult. So I yeah. do kind of, like, admire her character in that moment, for saying, like, yeah, I guess, you know, I could try to make this work and still have my parents be alive, but, like, all of my friends would be dead, and it's just not right or fair. Yeah. And she makes the just decision. Emotionally, it does work. Because, it's just that yeah, narratively, yeah. it's very much like the DM, like, not wanting to grant you your wish, even though you had that scroll of wish, and, like, sure, yeah. you were wishing for something very reasonable. Yeah, and I just hate that in the... In a role-playing game, I hate that in the story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. you can do things different, and they turn out better, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. So, but then there's one last uh, sequence, mm-hmm. and she this... she accidentally stumbles into it basically because Nagai asks her like, okay, so so now what? And she says, I don't know. Right now, I'm not really sure I'm fit to handle this wish thing. I haven't felt this alone since. As a weird lead-in, it's just a sense, right? It's just like the thought connecting of her old boyfriend slash yeah. senpai leading into a alternate future where she is married to him. Mm-hmm. The author puts a trigger warning up there for yeah. domestic abuse. And her quote is, a couple bits of this even made me a little uncomfortable. So you know, the trigger warning seems appropriate. And I assume she means going back and rereading it after that many years, like 20 years or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, because... Because I don't think the phrase trigger warning was in use in 1996. No. I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. And it's uh, it's pretty rough. That's very like, difficult. She's married to her senpai. And just to summarize, he's a complete piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And I would say almost to a comical extent, except there is nothing funny no. about it. Like, it's just like completely thoroughly he's I terrible wouldn't say you know i understand what you're going with with the almost too comical extent i would say it's to an extreme extent but it's yeah. not unrealistic in any way no, no it's not unrealistic it's just like yeah it's it's just, it's, it's, it's all in on yeah. you know yeah. in, in this the senpai like, is yeah. a is a <clears throat> active aware abuser right yeah. his goal is to abuse Michael yes. Chan in this you, yeah. you see inside his mind a bit yeah. but that's what he's going for it's yeah. very real um, his goal is to have complete control over her and it's not unrealistic for a lot of like very archetypal husband wife dynamics especially in like a traditional marriage sense of these young marriages where mm-hmm. like he wants to be the man and have her have dinner ready for him and not have her have any independence mm-hmm. and he executes that so yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot, but it's a totally real experience that a lot of people have. Yeah, and you you have to sit through quite a bit of it because she yeah. possibly because of the way she kind of slipped into it accidentally. Even she's not really conscious at first that she is inhabiting this future. Like hasn't quite quantum leapt into it properly. No, she hasn't quite. And so she's kind of stuck in that mode of, like, fear and, um, mostly fear that, like, her future self in this context has. conditioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when she finally does snap out of it, she gets to punch him. Which is so gratifying. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank God for that moment. Well, there is, there's that line. As he crumpled to the ground unconscious, Mako felt as though that had been incredibly therapeutic. Yeah, kind of be more than that, right? Anyway. Right. Um, And she comes out of that feeling pretty good. And it kind of makes sense emotionally because if she's been kind of mourning the loss of that relationship for a long time, then seeing that, in fact like, firsthand that, like, he's terrible and not worth any of this. Yeah. Like, just really is a direct way to kind of let her feel past it. Yeah. And that's sort of what she describes, that she feels, like, free of that weight. Mm-hmm. 
But again, this is another wish that she makes that turns out specifically terrible for her. For not much apparently terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like well, that one makes more sense parse, because it doesn't. Know? I mean, I can accept that one yeah, more totally. because it is bad things happening as a result of that relationship continuing. I, I could believe that um, at, on its own, but as a part of a series, it's a trend right. towards terrible. <laughs> yes, uh, though I will say that this is probably the most realistic one. Like, yeah. yeah. A girl marries sweetheart from yeah. the age of 13. Yep. He ends up being an abusive piece of shit. Actually, most realistic outcome here. Mm. But on the heels of everything else, like I agree, Dom, it was just another, like, this is extremely bad. Yet another one, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so in the end of the fanfic, she decides not to make a wish <clears> because, <throat> like, um, well, she goes through each of them. That, like, you know what? It's okay that I stand out in a crowd. My friends don't judge me for it. And, like, it's nice being big and strong. And my parents are dead, and that's terrible. But I, like, I'm grateful that I got to see them a little bit, you know, this time. And I don't want the world, like, uh, invaded and conquered by the Dark Kingdom and all my friends dead. And then, obviously, the boyfriend thing is, like, I can't believe I even wasted that much energy and thinking about it. Which, actually, I think was the best part of the ending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think she should have had to see that future but i think it's like a weird sort of processing thing where like when you're older and you've had an abusive partner it's hard to let them go until you realize that they really were bad for you yeah and so this is sort of like a forward thinking moment of like she realizes the behaviors that he had when their youthful relationship would continue and that's like a huge processing moment for her she's like whoa he actually was a bad person and yeah. I'm willing to let him go now. And so I actually, like, felt that was the most realistic part and kind of a good moment. Yeah, it makes total sense that, like, you would romanticize something in the past. And then maybe yeah. if you actually got to see it in the past with new eyes, you'd be like, whoa, wait. Yeah, it was sort of more of, terrible. like, a reflection, you know. I, like, yeah, she's supposed to be super young and it's, like, hard to see this, like, extrapolated forward. But it makes sense. <laughs> it's like when you watch a, you know, a show from that you watched when you were a kid. Then you really enjoyed it. You go back and watch it as an adult. It's like, oh no, this is super racist. <laughs> it's like when people have any fond memories of middle I mean, school. Yeah, that yeah. Is kind of <laughs> any fond memories of middle like, school. <laughs> it's kind of what it's like to, to like come out of an abusive relationship. Is be like, why did I like this? Yeah, uh-huh. you know. So she gets that moment. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And so she <clears throat> says she feels good about that. She like she gets something out of those latter two. Um, well, I guess she's supposed to get something out of all three of those potential futures, like a little bit more, <laughs> she's supposed to get a little bit more accepting of her body and mm-hmm. like be, be a little bit more at peace with the loss of her parents, I guess. And most importantly, just being able to put the whole boyfriend thing completely yeah. behind her. And, you know, she leaves Nagai, she's like, I don't need a wish. And the guy says, yeah, um, oh, she says, I have the feeling that tomorrow will be a whole new beginning. With that, Mako waved goodbye and walked away, leaving only Nagai hovering over the spot she had first appeared in. I've got the same kind of feeling. I hope we're both right. Have a happy ending, Mako-chan. You deserve it. Now, yeah, the wish thing, it's hard to get over because, look, (laughs) Nagai is so accommodating. You don't think that you could have just said, hey, Nagai, I wish that I was about a foot shorter, but that my magical powers were just as strong. Yeah. She would have been like, sure, done. I'm out of here. If there was rules to the wishing, then fine. But, but they, there's no rules. They explicitly state there's no rules. But <laughs> the idea is that Mako Chan doesn't think it through. Like, that's the whole yeah, point. Yes. That's not, but that's not, that's not but supposed to be the whole point. But it is weird because, it, it, no, you have a good point in that, like, once she realizes how her wish backfired, she could modify her wish. But instead, like, immediately after that one, she's kind of led by her own subconscious she into is. her next wish. Yes. So that's an interesting point. Like... At the end of this, she could have just been like, oh, yeah, there's so many ways I could have wished differently. But I guess she just comes to a different conclusion. Hey, guy, I wish all supernatural evil was defeated forever and my friends and I could just, like, have, yeah, totally you know, happy right. lives. Hey, Nagai, I wish for one of those wishes I just had except for the bad parts taken out. Okay, thanks. Hey, yeah. guy, I wish that I was allowed to defeat the monster of the week more often. <laughs> hey, Nagai, I wish for all the wishes I could make that I wanted that I could modify at will before or after. <laughs> I wish for whatever I would wish for if I was incredibly wise. Yeah, right. Hey, Nagai, can I have um, all knowledge whatsoever through <laughs> all time and space? Okay, thanks. No, I wish I had a talking cat. I feel left out. <laughs> I had something important to say, but it's gone. And then Gravity Falls at one point that they give somebody like a, a time wish, which is ultimate consequence free wish. Uh-huh. Uh, he ends up wishing for an infinite piece of pizza. 
Hey, that's a great one. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for you. I mean, th- that's not the fairy tale structure. Mm-hmm. It's just that, exactly. right, you, you need to set up some rules if you want the people to turn down the wish, you know? Because, like... Uh, whatever. <laughs> well, no, but this is this is the flaw of the fanfic is that there are these holes, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking at these holes like yes. you could have done this, you could have done this, could have done this, but that also does imitate the same fairy tale structure of yeah. wishing, and it's supposed to be that motif, that trope of be careful what you wish for, mm-hmm. and they do demonstrate that. Yeah, okay. this just yeah, there I'm... are plot holes in that. I don't know if I've ever read a be careful what you wish for sort of narrative that didn't have those same sort of holes. Like, you could yeah. have just okay, wished okay. for this 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 thing, right? Yeah. So I think the story is more about her growing as a character than it is about what she could have actually done with these wishes. Though that's not to say that criticism no. isn't No, it, it just, Thanks for bringing me thing. back down from the territory, because I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm too saying. much a power gamer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what I mean to say is just that that fairy tale structure clashes a little bit with Nagai being super accommodating, like yeah. more so than Certainly. you would ever be in any kind of story like this Agreed. normally. And I think for me, even throwing all those concerns aside, I disagree heavily with the with the philosophy. It's a little punishing. <laughs> Agreed. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. The, I mean, you should want for things to be better, and you should be able to try to accomplish those goals. If you try and you fail, that is that is something. But if you have literally the ability to do anything and you try and want for things to be better and things still turn out shit, that's sort of saying like it's supposed to be like shit because of some sort of divine yeah. reasoning. Like there's mm-hmm. a divine plan that you're fucking up. And I, yeah. I always had that thought. <laughs> it would have made a little bit more sense to me, you know, if like instead of things just being shit, yeah. they were just like different in a way that wasn't preferred. Uncomfortable yeah. maybe. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Like out of line with the reality that Makoto expects because I think – that's what we see in the, like, you wish for something that you think won't change much, and it changes this one thing that affects your life a lot. And you're like, whoa, like, I got a million dollars, and now I'm rich, but my best friend isn't my best friend anymore. Mm. Makes a lot more sense to me than, like, everything is terrible. It, you're it, mad, and you, you should feel it bad. <laughs> you yeah. Also, yeah, it would have been e- interesting even just having, like, the wish to be smaller and more, like, feminine-looking, unquote, whatever. And just for her to experience that and be like, this some things about this are cool, like but it also yeah. feels really super weird. You, yeah. know, you know what this she sucks? She felt like she loved that, but right. she was just weak, which, again, my least favorite yeah, part. Yeah, whatever. Right, right. But, <laughs> but that would actually be, be careful for what you wish for, because you don't actually want that. Yeah. yeah. That would make like, sense. It would have been kind of poignant for it to have had the chance to like, experience that, but then also like realize that's just... She doesn't want to live in that body her whole life like like she thought she did. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I do relate to the idea of, like, what if you could have that body you really want and having it actually, like, work like you want it to, you know? Like, you don't have to accept the body that you're given, this coming from that trans perspective, but, like, you don't have to accept the body you're given. And it is difficult when you have to make those changes or you can't make the changes that you want to change. So I get, like, the idea of her, like, really loving being able to have that. But yeah, there could be another downside. I agree with yeah, that Yeah, well. right. We were just workshopping some way yeah. to have that portion without everybody dying. I know. Because yeah. <laughs> I was, like, agreeing with you at first, then I had another thought. But there's so many other things you could do. I haven't read much of... I'm not sure I've read any other fan fiction to speak of by Jet Wolf. Hmm. But she's got a uh, postscript that it came about, this fanfic came about with, uh, like, an internet friend commenting concerning another story of mine and ranted about all the horrible things that seem to happen to Jupiter in fanfics that I post. What else totally, happens in the other fanfic? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> totally unintentional, of course. I'm very fond of Makoto. Anyway, I vowed then and there to write a story revolving around Jupiter that had a happy ending, and thus this story. And no. yet terrible things still happen to <laughs> Jupiter. I, I have the feeling that she's just the kind of writer who... I, enjoys characters suffering and I say that with all kindness yeah like wants the wants to write the characters in like I, that, that's a that's a legitimate thing yeah like, suffering is interesting right 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 I think maybe also like some authors have the perspective that ca- real character change and real character exploration only comes about through suffering mm. which I don't necessarily think is wrong though I do think it might be taken a bit to an extreme but I, she kind of mentioned like the author kind of mentioned they really like Jupiter, so yeah, I can. See I know that. that as a fan, she's actually mostly about the like little friendship character moments. Um, yeah. But maybe as a writer, I don't know. 
Uh, I haven't read. Like, I haven't read yeah. enough to say. When you really love a character, you do want to see them Suffer. develop. Well, <laughs> develop and change. And if you see suffering as the only vehicle for that, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have talked about some stuff that bugged us. Anything that we want to praise extra on the other side here? Like I said, the part that made me happiest was the like just very, very Sailor Moon humor stuff happening in Chapter 2 there, where I could... I could just see that animation, and it was great. Yeah, I was, and I could hear Kotono Mitsubishi, and it was also great. I was going to say, when there wasn't st- terrible stuff happening to Jupiter, I did like the style of the writing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it probably might have fit a, a, a happier fanfic better, mm-hmm. the, the style. And I, I think I would have enjoyed that. It's It seems like a style that's kind of unpretentious and concerned with voice. Yeah. And both of those like, go pretty far when you have some good characters to work with, like Sailor Moon characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some very funny character beats, and, and the writing was very fluid. Um, and I like how, like, Nagai was kind of a, like, kind of a personality at the start, but then didn't become intrusive as a character. Mm-hmm. And I like that Makoto character seemed very real throughout like she was very loyal to her friends she got to entertain these fantasies but she chose her friendships and that made her you know just as likable as she is in the series mm-hmm. and this fanfic by the way was chosen off of the best sailor moon fan fiction on the net which is the name of the website hmm. which is where i tend to go for looking for things that i haven't read that are supposed to be at all good i get the feeling it's where you tend to go in general <laughs> that's just where i spend all my time <laughs> There's not that much on the site. <laughs> it's, it's a reasonable library. Um, so just to throw out there w- how I ran into it and, you know, where it was chosen from. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people liked it. I think I, uh, it was not a big name fanfic back in the late 90s Sailor Moon internet-ness. And I'm, I'm not sure. But I think it was well regarded enough. Mm. We will leave Sailor Moon behind there, I guess, for some amount of time. We'll see how long I can make it stick. Stay strong, man. <laughs> <laughs> and going into that most American of franchises. Buffy? Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, darn it. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this is, of course, Sonic the Hedgehog, the cartoon. Not that cartoon, the other cartoon. <laughs> the cartoon. Love that cartoon. Yes. The one with the Freedom Fighters and the rather bad situation that they are in and lots of evil robots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I do love evil robots. And the Archie comic based on that cartoon. The fanfic in particular is Bloodlines. It was published in, I believe, 1997 by an author, Dan Drazen. And you can find a link there at bit.ly slash RFR Bloodlines. It's a harsh name for a Sonic fanfic, isn't it? Does Sonic uh, even have blood? Blue blood. <laughs> Maybe it's chili? Yes, it's just <laughs> chili sauce. <laughs> Sonic's body is 80% chili dog by composition. Wait a minute, what do they make chili dogs out of? <laughs> <laughs> How do they make a hot dog? Are there any animals that are not sentient? Yeah, there's the animals that you rescue. <laughs> I think they're sentient. <laughs> The ones you oh, rescue, yeah. Turn. That's a good point. And then they turn them... They're all squirrels, mostly, and birds. Like, you can make the chili. But you can't make the hot dog. You can't make the hot dog. Without killing a few squirrels. <laughs> As they say. <laughs> Is Sonic just vegetarian? Vegetarian oh, dogs? veggie dogs. They're veggie dogs. No, obviously he's a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> they're I mean, made out of other Sonics. Not, not, not Sonics, just other sentient creatures. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're hedgehogs. <laughs> We're going to come back to that, I'm sure. Next week, same <laughs> retro fanfic time, same retro fanfic channel. You sound sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> For now, this was episode 26 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Mako-chan's Happy Ending by Jet Wolf, published in 1996. You can find a link there to the fanfiction.net posting of it at bit.ly slash RFR ending. The intro song to this podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com. 
podbeam.com podbean.com or bit.ly slash retro fanfic have questions comments or thoughts about the episode then please contact us on twitter at retro fanfic or send us an email at retro fanfic retrospective at gmail.com we get little enough fan mail at this time that you can probably influence things maybe no promises actually no realistically, promises, never mind. <laughs> realistically speaking, every fan email you've gotten has influenced things. So. Uh, has yeah. it? Have we, like, really catered to the Canadian audience since we got that one fan email from the Canadian oh, high school I know, student? I have. Yeah. That's just well, you, though, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm loyal to my Canadian people. <laughs> but we need to be courting our the polls because according to some website that sent us a, <laughs> an email saying, like, Hey, here's your charting. You're charting like you're number 27 in film and TV in Poland oh, uh, on like Apple Podcasts for a hot second. And apparently that's because one or two people are listening to us in Poland. I think Yeah, I was going to say how many people even like live in speak Poland, English? like 10? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rude. I- I'm joking. I'm no, joking. You're alienating our Polish audience. I- I'm sorry, Polish audience member, of whom there's one. Or uh, two. Hey, we, we, we may be distantly re- related. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You've got the Polish connection. You've got the... Canadian. Canadian connection, yeah. Tori. And I've got some, like, Eastern European blood in me. Polish? <laughs> no, you're a Jewish connection. Uh, I think my grandpa was... No, like, Romania. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm then... Romanian, too. Oh, hey, high five, Romania. Yeah. And then I feel like my... Grandpa was born somewhere that later became Switzerland, or something <laughs> part of Switzerland. Switzerland, um, uh, somewhere in that yeah. area. France, Germany, <laughs> Belgium. Those are all in the same ballpark. The Netherlands. Uh, the point being, please leave us comments or reviews on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, that was our or point wherever. <laughs> Nailed that transition. As usual. I'm a motto. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other in this best of all possible worlds. Until next time, take care. We love you. Bye. Chili dogs are made of people. Well, people would make sense. Yeah. If you could make one wish about this this podcast, what mm. would it be? Um, more Polish fans. More <laughs> Polish fans. I would go back in time and not talk so much. I would wish that we had someone running social media who actually knew what they were doing and had energy to do it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Forget mine. Go with that one. Yeah, same. <laughs>